Welcome back to Rhymes with Decora, a companion podcast project of Inspired Media. I'm your host, Benji Nichols, bringing you stories from communities you love by people you trust. Thanks for coming along for the ride here in our second season, kicking off with some really interesting shows. It has been such a a great ride to put this show together, and we're going to keep diving deeper as we go into uh, this season. People around the region, people around our town, uh, across the Driftless region uh, who have great stories to tell. And today, I am super excited to have with me someone that we have been uh, going back and forth about getting on the show here for a while, and I'm excited to talk about this really special topic. Uh, Marina Nading, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Benji. Absolutely. It's so fun to have you here finally. Uh, I I know it's kind of funny. We don't know each other uh, super well, but we have spent some time in social circles together and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your husband, Scott, also uh, is someone I work with and for occasionally at Mm -hmm. uh, one of our local breweries. Uh, So uh, that's that's a fun connection that we have. Uh, But the reason I have you here today is to talk a little bit about Ukraine, uh, which Mm -hmm. is a fascinating topic in today's world, of course, uh, and making that local connection here in in northeast Iowa in our region, I think, is something that's really fascinating for people. Um, so, tell us a little bit about where did you uh, where did you grow up, Marina? Absolutely. So, I grew up in Ukraine, and I grew up in a town named Khmelnytsky. I was born in Vinnytsia, which is a little closer to Kiev. Let's say the name of your town again. It's Khmelnytsky. Yeah, and you spelled this for me earlier, uh, but K H M E L N Y T S K Y I. That's correct. Ten times fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, my college friend could not pronounce it, so she just said, oh, Levinsky, Monica Levinsky. (laughs) Levinsky. It's not quite (laughs) what it's spelled like, but it's close enough. Yes. Western Ukraine, is that right? Yes, it is in Western Ukraine. So I grew up there and lived till I was 20. Wow. And then when I was 20 years old, I was really interested in uh, learning English better. My major at the time was applied linguistics. So I was learning translation and interpretation. And my languages were English and German. And I was trying um, to get some practice with that. So um, back then, it was 2000, um, Ukraine... Uh, was undergoing lots of transformations, you know, of democratic nature. So I was able to participate in a program called Freedom Support Act, and it was actually sponsored by the U.S. government. And so a bunch of Ukrainian students, also students from other former Soviet Socialist Republics, were invited to come to different colleges in the U.S. And so I came uh, to Butler University in Indiana and Indianapolis and spent a year there learning sociology and uh, obviously practicing English. Was that in your undergraduate work? Yes, that was undergraduate. Yeah, Yeah, so it was a non-degree program, but it did allow me to learn a lot about the higher ed in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. You know, learn uh, better kind of English speaking skills and meet new friends and... You know. And if, if people don't know, I should have mentioned from the Absolutely. beginning, you are you're an associate professor now at Luther. You're, you're a professor at Luther College here in Decorah. That's correct. Amongst other things. So that is the, the higher yes. education connection yeah, we'll, that, we'll, that we'll get to, right? Right. I continue in higher ed. So I teach anthropology at Luther College. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Tell me a little bit uh, about the city you grew up in. How big was it? 
Uh, so Khmelnytsky is a fairly large city. It's about 200,000 people. Yeah. Um, it's a very urban space. It's kind of the center of our oblast. Oblast is basically a province or, you know, state sure. equivalent. And for those who don't know, Ukraine is actually a fairly big country, not as big as mm-hmm. the U.S., but it is the biggest country in Europe. Yeah. So it's bigger than France, you know, for yeah. those who want a reference. And so, yeah, it was a very urban area in Ukraine. The difference between rural and urban living is tremendous. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> urban living is, you know, uh, high rises and apartment buildings and yeah uh, everything everything we'd expect in a modern city yeah yeah my husband who's an American calls it um, bird houses <laughs> <laughs> they're very small <laughs> so that's how I grew up and we even had a Great Dane oh wow <laughs> who lived oh, a very amazing. happy life with us for twelve years oh, in an apartment building on the third floor that's of a, a nine good life story for a building. Great Dane too oh my goodness that's <laughs> it awesome it was very loved and <laughs> wow. I love it. And, you know, you make that difference on the on the rural and the urban divide. Of mm-hmm. course, that's true in a lot of countries. Um, Ukraine also being famous for a lot of agriculture as well. I mean, a huge yes, agri- agricultural yes. country and providing mm-hmm. an enormous amount of uh, agricultural goods, supplies, food for all of Europe and beyond, right? Yes, yes. One of my favorite kind of memories um what I see when I close my eyes, right, that yeah. I associate with Ukraine is fields of sunflowers. We are the oh. largest sunflower seed producer in the world, I think. Yeah. Um, also, just beautiful poppy flowers. You know, some fields are just entirely red. And wow. um, yeah, the cemetery where my grandmother is buried had like a huge field of poppies oh, wow. and daisies, and it was just beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, Ukraine is very agricultural overall, and agricultural kind of industry is the, one of the main, um, I guess, sure uh, industries in our country. So on top of it, in terms of culture and just kind of how families live, um, even when people live in cities, they usually have some sort of connection to the village, right? Either a grandma or an aunt or a neighbor or someone. And so for many families, including mine, um, the life sort of revolves around agricultural cycle. So people always help with planting, you know, let's say potatoes. Potatoes is the big one. Um, You know, then helping do whatever work needs to be done throughout the year, then yeah. harvesting and, yeah. you know, then subsisting on it, you know. And This is a little sidetrack. And obviously sure. this is several years ago now that you're still living there full time. But is there is the is there a pretty good food scene in Ukraine? Like, oh, Was yes. that a thing at the time? I, mean, I would imagine mm-hmm. with that much agriculture, it's kind of like here. I mean, you can choose to participate yeah. in it or not. But like the right. products, I would imagine, were pretty amazing. Yes. So Ukraine is an old country, right? Yeah. And it's sort of... A friend of mine who is an American called, calls our cuisine as peasant food, but it's just real, <laughs> real, you know, wholesome and delicious, you know, so lots yeah. of um, dairy. So, you know, yeah. uh, different kinds of yogurts and fermented drinks that are delicious, um, sure. potato dishes, um, you know, our most famous type of food that I don't know if people are aware of or not, it's called salo, so S-A-L-O, and it's pork-fed. Yeah. That's raw, but salted. Um, wow. And so, you know, it, it's perfect for preserving. You don't need to refrigerate it or do anything with it. And yeah. so Ukrainians consume it in a variety of different ways, but most commonly <laughs> just on top of sourdough bread. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, maybe with incredible. some garlic, you right. know? And so 
I love it. You know, most everyone who lives in Ukraine, who I know, you know, enjoys yeah. this food. Staple. Um, yeah. So actually, a fun fact, every time that I came back from Ukraine and arrived at the Minneapolis airport, <laughs> the customs service <laughs> would ask me very specifically, looking at my Ukrainian passport, yes. are you bringing any salo with uh-huh. you? And they're asking it because obviously you cannot bring yes. raw meat products yes. um, across national borders. So I was always kind of, in a way, you know, humbled by their knowledge of, you know, <laughs> I, I, national right? cuisines uh, around I the world. also did not realize till a few years ago how serious they were about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I came back into the country from Scandinavia a few years ago mm-hmm. on a trip and had kind of forgotten that at four in the morning when I left my hotel, I'd made a little half sandwich on the breakfast bar Uh-oh. and put it in my backpack. <laughs> and a little uh, pupper sniffed me out. And I was like, oh, goodness. No, really. I wasn't meaning to sneak my half uh, <laughs> ham cold sandwich through <laughs> customs. But yeah, they don't mess around about it. Oh. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, higher education. You had found your way to Indiana um, mm-hmm. on a sort of a pseudo exchange program, yes. right? Undergrad still. You're in your college years. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine landing in the U.S. That was 2000s ish. Yes. Is that right? 2000. Early 2000. Yeah, the year. 2000. What a fascinating time to mm-hmm. land in the country, right? <laughs> yeah, right before 2001, yeah, 9/11, 9/11 happening. At that point, I was already back to Ukraine. So this okay. was a one year program. I finished it. I went back to Ukraine. I then graduated from, you know, my school there with a degree in linguistics. And so I knew then that I was more suited for anthropology because anthropology sort of lives in both worlds, in the world, in the world of humanities and the world of social sciences. And so, you know, with my background, it, it just was a better fit for me. So I started applying for various graduate schools and ended up um, at the State University of New York at Albany. And I lived there for quite a few Upstate New York. So you made your way back to Ukraine. How did you, what was the process for getting back to Albany for upstate to to university? That was for higher education? Yes, so that was for graduate school. Yep, that was a graduate school in anthropology. And I worked with Dr. Gail Lansman, who was a medical anthropologist. And so... So I um, grew up in a family of physicians. You know, my oh, wow. grandfather was a medical doctor and basically sort of lots of members of my family are in healthcare. Sure. Um, I always knew I did not want to do any sort of clinical uh-huh. labor. Uh-huh. It just I know that it wasn't my thing. But yep. I was very familiar and interested in the culture of medicine. Yeah. Um, and I was very interested in various traditions around the world about how people approach, you know, sort of their life events, right, oh, that absolutely. are about their bodies or well-being. And so I was just interested in that in that field. And I was also quite interested in social studies, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I kind of knew that I wanted to do some sort yeah, of research I, on that. What an incredible way to wrap so mm-hmm. many of those things together yeah. um, and, and a really interesting uh, interesting background to that. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to get accepted um, for a program like in Upstate? Because again, like we're talking then mm-hmm. like post 9-11, early right. 2000s. Yes. <laughs> uh, was that a difficult process or had you done enough like kind of work by that time that you were obviously um, were, you were know, a that, serious scholar that was, uh, you know. I wasn't, you know, I was just finishing my undergraduate degree, but I did have quite a bit of that, you know, international experience, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. And I also felt like I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to study 
you know, this particular subfield of anthropology, it, yeah. it's, it always helps when you're sort of more or less sure of what it is that you want to do. Sure. Yeah. And um, I did a lot of research, you know, and back then that was still the time in Ukraine where internet, you know, wasn't necessarily something you had at home, right? right. So I had to literally go to internet clubs and libraries yeah. and, and you know, spend some time on doing that sort of legwork and right. read about different programs and um, most importantly for me at the time, scholarships, right, that I could potentially be eligible for yeah. because I knew that my family couldn't afford, you sure. know, paying that type of money. So, um, yeah, I just did a lot of research. I was, I think I was very fortunate, you know. I mean, obviously I did do my best, but I of also course. think some of it is, uh, you know, some degree of luck. So yeah. I received a, a teaching assistantship. So I was a teaching assistant sure. um, for many years, for four years. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I went to school in Boston mm -hmm. uh, and at one time had a, a good friend who um, was from upstate, uh, mm -hmm. from Albany. And I remember her talking a lot about um, just it was kind of an interesting city. How did you find it when you moved there? What was Albany like? Oh, it was very different from Indiana. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and right. It, it reminded me Europe more than, you know, Midwest. So yeah. East Coast. Albany is very um, urban as well. You know, there's yeah. public transportation, which I thought was extremely important for someone like me who didn't know how to drive and sure. didn't have money to have a car. So, you know, we had the bus system and yeah. uh, I lived um, just in this part of town that was very much kind of overrun by students, you know, yeah. which created yeah. a feeling of family and community that I really wanted. Um, yeah. And so I had wonderful roommates. We are still friends. We have yeah. a WhatsApp group. We oh, just awesome. got to see each other this year. And I always like to tell people too that if they're not familiar, mm -hmm. like that region and going in that direction of upstate New York actually has a ton of similarities to this mm -hmm. area, specifically it, of North, Northeast okay. Iowa. And some of the geology is actually similar. That's true. And even the Oneota and the Oneonta regions. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting com like things that are just very in common there. But uh, yeah, Adirondacks uh, and Catskills. Yeah. I really enjoyed exploring kind of the natural world apple orchards there are some oh, waterfalls yeah. in that area right yeah. honestly it's a That's perfect fun. place for someone i know probably students abroad aren't <laughs> listening to this but if you want to come study in the u.s yeah. you should probably go to the That's awesome. <laughs> that area i love it so you made your way through um uh, graduate work phd also finished in Albany, correct? Yes. How, uh, what was, what was your path? How did you find Luther College? Decorah, Iowa. I mean, Indiana, <laughs> right? So you'd been to the Midwest, yes, sort of, but yes. like. So I went back to Indiana at some point when I finished all of my coursework for my doctoral degree. And so at that point, I just needed to work on my um, grant proposals in order to fund fieldwork research. Sure. And so Indiana University had a much better library collection for the kind of stuff that I needed to do. I also had an external dissertation committee member, Dr. Sarah Phillips, who was a mentor and at awesome. that point almost a friend, you know, an, an older friend, right, that yeah. I was fortunate to meet. So I went back to Indiana and I lived there for another couple of years while I was writing. Uh, I did field work in Ukraine, then I came back, I wrote my dissertation. So I was very familiar with, at that point in time, with sort of Midwest living, yeah. even though Southern Indiana yeah, is yeah. not at all like Iowa, nor, Northeast Iowa. But it, it's a little closer, right? right. So uh, it, as a matter of fact, when I interviewed for 
this job at Luther, I knew kind of very quickly that it was meant to be just because there were so many interesting connections. Oh, wow. Um, so my mentor uh, graduated in the same class with Dr. Colin Batts. Oh, yeah. Who oh, my is gosh. an archaeology professor at Luther. Sure. So... Um, that there was that you know yeah. that connection. Um, a friend of my, um, Monica Kendraka, she l- used to live in Cedar Rapids at okay. some point, and she just you know told me so much about Iowa and how yeah. it's a state where um, people really value education. Mm-hmm. And she just you know kind of dispelled any of the maybe preconceived notions yeah. that you know yeah. I maybe have had you know prior to coming here, yeah. and so. Yeah, so, and I also knew someone who knew Amalia Vods pretty well. Oh my well. gosh, yeah, and our so, dear friend Amalia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so with these three different people, you know, who have been to Decorah, you know, who oh, were fantastic. able to tell me these various things about it, I kind of felt like, well, not three coincidences, so right? likely I'm right. going to be offered that job, and mm-hmm. I was very happy when the, I was. The world kind of uh, mm-hmm. showing you the direction there, yes, right? Yes. Oh, that's That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marina, it's so fun. It's so fun to get people's backstories, and mm-hmm. I want to talk more about Ukraine. We're going to take a super quick break, uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on in Ukraine. We're going to talk about some of the efforts that you have been involved with and other students mm-hmm. that you have worked with who have been involved with, so we, uh, we'll be right back. And Marina Nading, professor at Luther College. Uh, we're going to talk more in just a moment. Rhymes with Decora. I'm Benji Nichols, your host. We'll be right back. This is Aaron Henning-Nichols, founder and editor-in-chief of Inspired Magazine. Rhymes with Decor is brought to you by Inspired Media, bringing you positive news since 2007. Find us on stands across the Driftless, or check out our new website, or become a member at iloveinspired.com. Creating stories about communities you love by people you trust. Thanks for being inspired. And the voice of Aaron Henny Nichols, my partner in business and life, uh, the creator of Inspired Media. Find us online, iloveinspired.com. Uh, the podcast project here rhymes with Decora. It's been a fun thing to put together here in the last year. We're into season two. Find us all at decora.fun. Uh, that'll get you to our website, give you the whole rundown. You can check out shows from there, pages, show notes, uh, which will also have some great notes from this show. Uh, in what we're going to talk about next here with Marina Nading. Marina, thank you so much for being here, taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to talk a little bit about uh, your world and also Ukraine. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so it's really fun. Your background, I think, is fascinating. I think anyone's um, story and your life's, you know, life stories are interesting, particularly making the transition, obviously, from another country to the U.S., anywhere it is a big jump culturally and interesting uh higher education itself is a fascinating world but your roots of course are where you are in ukraine mm-hmm. right yes uh i can't imagine you still have family there i do of course yes uh, everyone i you know my family was never really interested in 
migrating, you know, away from Ukraine. Yeah. So they've visited me several times and they've been to Decora, but yep. they are. In so Ukraine. obviously lots of friends and family still in Ukraine living yes. through uh, the current struggles, yes. uh, a full on war throughout a lot, mm-hmm. most of the country yes. uh, <laughs> and just massive challenges, of course, across any front in daily life, even if, if your area isn't, you know, directly involved in the day to day ongoings. Um, any thoughts on that or, or people you've talked to, family? Um, sure. Yeah. So my family, you know decided that they um, wanted to stay you know some of it is that all of my family members still do work so they aren't retired even my parents and they work in healthcare world and so they feel needed and meaning you know they feel like their work is meaningful and so um you know because where we live uh, does not see direct, you know, street <laughs> street fighting. They are able to work. Um, everyone in wow. Ukraine is impacted by war because, unfortunately, Russian army targets civilian infrastructure, and it's right. a part of their war strategy. Is to, I'm not exactly sure what the right, you know, military words are for yeah. that, but to just kind of disable, you know, people's ability to support. Uh, the army, right, mm-hmm. and to kind of survive, to kind of break their spirit. So power plants are impacted, people don't have electricity, you know, yeah. every so often there is an arrival of a missile that does kill people, including my hometown. Right. I think that's the interesting part, you know, as Americans, we are so mm-hmm. we are so impatient um, with the world in general. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, in the, in the couple storms we've had, even in the last year where we're, mm-hmm. if we've lost power for a day or two, right. or, oh, you know, we lose our internet and we lose our TV, we lose, <laughs> you know, I can't, you know, and you're talking about a place that is a, a, a modern country that mm-hmm. is losing any of those regular facilities for days, weeks right. at a time, and still yes. trying to do your job and show up. And right. be patient and live your life and take care of your family mm-hmm. and others, right? Right, that's true, that's true. You know, I mean, honestly, Ukraine does not have other choice. And maybe right. it is something important for me to just make very clear, you know, we we are on our own land. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have their lives established. Ukraine is not a very rich country. So whatever little people do have, that's, you know, that's theirs. And so um, the yeah. choice is... Um, pretty clear, you know, to stay and to try and, you know, protect yeah. what's ours and absolutely. And well, and also and stand. centuries of history and culture yes. and, and mm-hmm. just really interesting, you know, a right. very rich, rich, rich cultural country as well. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple of events that have happened here in the last year that I think are really awesome that you've been connected with or helped mm-hmm. supported through other students, um, some that have graduated, gone on other things. The first one that I kind of remembered was last uh was it last spring, the bike ride? There yes. was a, a benefit bike ride that was put together by a couple of students at Luther. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So some students approached me. Well, many students have approached yeah. me, and I'm very <laughs> grateful for that, um, asking, you know, what I needed. Did I need support? Did I need childcare? Did I need yeah. just, you know, to tell them what? And they were happy to help. So I really, really appreciated that moral support and practical material support as well. Um this particular student, Anita Tamang, was my advisee, academic advisee, and she was a global health major. Um, and so she just had this idea. At the time, she lived in Rochester. So even before the war, the full-scale invasion started in February, she had this idea of riding her bike from Rochester to Decorah. And she was looking for a cause. And, Love you know, the, the cause found her. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so she right. offered me, you know, this... Whether, you know, if I 
knew a health care related cause, you know, that's associated with war. And so I did. And um, students did the rest, you know, yeah. so they, it was amazing. If I recall, the weather tried to foil it once, mm-hmm. maybe. Right. It was spring, boy, yes. spring. I, li- <laughs> I love to ride bikes. I've ridden a lot of bikes and spring can be a fickle one around here. But mm-hmm. uh, everyone persevered and yes. did the ride and raised a, a nice chunk of money too, yes, right? Yes, over $7,000 at that time. That and was amazing. A, a really great story behind where that money went, right? Yes. So the money went to the oncology clinic in my hometown and... My mother works there as an yeah. uh, oncology chemotherapy um, provider. And so we were able to just very directly help with medications to the people who needed it. Um, so at some point, my hometown had lots of internally displaced people mm-hmm. from the eastern provinces. And so the population of town kind of just mushroomed. And, sure. you know, of course, life doesn't stop because there is war. You know, people still have to deal with their yeah. health issues and with oncology treatments. You know, you don't have the luxury of interrupting those. Um, right. So well, what an incredible amazing. direct line of support when you're mm-hmm. able to say, like, you know, this money's being raised, but it is going, here is the place right. the money went to exactly. and, and the impact that it's having. Another one of those events that then happened was um, kind of a fall benefit concert, right, mm-hmm. that happened. Uh, Brooke Joyce was involved, a few other people, right? Yes, yes. So when the war started, Brooke just, you know, offered um, this uh, idea that maybe we could organize a uh, benefit concert and you know it some time has passed and then we both felt like okay now is the time and yeah. <laughs> i will be forever grateful for all the efforts that uh he has you know uh, invested yeah. into creating this wonderful concert you know it was meaningful not just for the fundraising part of it but also to hear ukrainian music so the yes. idea was music uh, about Ukraine or music from Ukraine, so by Ukrainian composers. And of course, you know, on a cultural front, right, it's also important for people to learn, you know, that Ukraine is not a part of Russia, right? Has never right, <laughs> really right. been other than just short periods of when uh, they've invaded us, you know, which yep. has happened a lot in <laughs> history, but always temporarily, right? And mm-hmm. so... Um, just to hear Ukrainian words, to hear Ukrainian melodies, um, that was hugely meaningful to me too. Yeah, what an awesome project. Right. And a lot of community folks and groups that ended up being involved in yes, that. Yes, middle school um, orchestra, lots of other people who are from Decorah yeah. and this area. And an incredible way to draw those those you know folks in and resources and just kind mm-hmm. of an awareness. And then, of course, raising money as well. Right. Uh, and that, again, went to a volunteer organization in your, in your hometown. Right? Yes, it went to a group called Zachist. Zachist means protection. And protection volunteer group has existed since 2014 when the war actually started, right? So for mm-hmm. Ukrainians, we call this February of 2022 as full-scale invasion, but mm-hmm. really we've been at war since 2014. And so that group has assisted army at the time for the most part for all these years. But when the full-scale invasion started, of course, they had to also now then help IDPs and people who were kind of stuck or didn't want to leave, you know, because they didn't want to be even internally displaced, let alone leave the country. And so they are constantly running, you know, food, supplies, whatever they um, can. And they're sort of this middle 
point sure. between yeah. the and various the yeah. yeah people in Europe and other parts of Ukraine. What an incredible um, task! Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mind-boggling to think yeah. about and the and, difficult. You know, to me, be. what's the most like inspiring, but also just mind-boggling that they are able to always find drivers. Oh, so yeah. like there are always these people who are willing to go like mm-hmm. directly into the mm-hmm. places where they have to negotiate sometimes even with Russian soldiers to be allowed to come in. And of course they don't know whether or not they're going to make it, (laughs) you know, but you know, somehow they just have the faith and, and belief that they'll be okay. Yeah. What, yeah. What an incredible task to take on and a Mm -hmm. a cool thing. Um, So, you know, currently, I mean, all this is still current. Nothing has really changed in that situation in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have contact with your family, obviously still and friends. I do. Yeah. Usually I do on occasion when there is a new, what we call arrival prelit means like when the missile actually strikes something and it's not, you know, destroyed in the air, even if it doesn't strike something in my hometown, when it does strike something else, it creates a deficit of energy in, sure. in our grid. And yeah. so in that case, usually everyone sort of loses their ability to, you know, have internet and then the wow. cell phone kind of network becomes overburdened. So sure. yeah. on occasion, I cannot reach anyone in my family. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I know there was a missile attack. Oh, wow. Yeah. But in those days, I know that usually it will be okay (laughs) and i usually just read news you know um maybe obsessively (laughs) is there do you are there good news sources that you find that information from are they mostly u.s based or are there good ukrainian sources that are still coming out i read ukrainian news yes yes so still making its way out of the country absolutely so i'm subscribed to several telegram channels sure and it's an app i don't know if people know uh, that you know a variety of different news channels that are directly from Ukraine. I also have a Viber um, kind of flash news. Yeah. And actually, there, I think there are news that are in English, yeah. too, okay. that are specifically from, yeah, it's called Flash. And so sure. I just, it's It's, it's amazing you know, across the world now and the way that media works as well, and, and non-media, mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it's all news, right? But uh, there are so many more resources for information to travel than there ever used to be. Yeah, there's that's probably, true. Yeah. probably helpful in some ways, not others, but. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing I, that I think is interesting, we've talked a little bit about, so these are projects that have already happened mm-hmm. on a local sort of regional level. Uh, I know there are some other ones that I might mention in the show notes that just regionally have happened um, that we can leave some details on. Sure. Also, um, you know, you have said specifically like you kind of are always looking for that next opportunity of who's really doing work on the like truly on the ground there Mm -hmm. are certainly uh international ngo groups that are you know trying to work and provide aid and do those things those are great to support what you've been able to do is actually really directly connect people um, sort you know resources to specific places Mm -hmm. um so one of those you mentioned is a gentleman who is helping sort of um put together uh Funding and then delivery for generators, right? Yes, and kind of yes. using different international channels around Ukraine and mm-hmm. borders and whatnot, uh, which is an interesting thing. Um, you can explain that a little bit if you want, but I think what Absolutely. I'll also say is we can we can kind of leave some of that information on the show notes page. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one that you mentioned, of course, is that you know you are still able to move funds even via PayPal directly right. to some of these organizations that can help. So if people are looking for a yeah. real direct way to impact, those might be helpful. Absolutely, yes. And I really appreciate, you know, all the help 
I mean, honestly, if I had to count, it's probably over $20,000 that people from, wow. you know, various parts of my life, you know, who are U.S.-based were able to send to Ukraine in a very direct way. Um, um, Norris Balabanian actually found me. He called me. Uh, he called Luther College and um, left his phone number, and then I connected with him after the bike ride for a piece yeah. that um, the students have organized. And so he just wanted to reach out and say that he is... Uh, interested in helping. Um, Norris is a retired U.S. Customs officer and a first-generation American um, with background in Bulgaria and Armenia. Wow. And so he just takes a lot of pride in being a U.S. citizen and mm-hmm. being able to live in a country um, where freedom you know, means something very specific to him right, yeah. and his life story. And so... Um, he just cannot stay sort of aside and watch <laughs> this war from half, you know, happening yeah. and unfolding. And so he's very involved in a variety of different ways. But right now what he's doing, and I think it's really urgent need, is he's, like uh, Benji just said, collecting funds and uh, sending them to his contact in Vilnius, which is in Lithuania, who then purchases generators and drives them to Ukraine. Um, these generators are meant for people who do not have family support. So orphanages yeah. and other kind of institutional living situations for older people and others. You know, f- can groups help a lot each other inside Ukraine? And yeah. so even under the harshest of conditions, I feel like families will pull their resources and support each other. But it's really people who don't have that. Wow. Uh, who probably are most <laughs> excluded and, you know, with least opportunity to yeah. honestly leave or, you know, survive in a dignified manner uh, inside yeah. Ukraine. So. And, very, and very grassroots effort. I mean, and yes. delivering is on a very civilian level. Yes. This is not like an NGO. Mm-hmm. This is not no. a nonprofit. This is not, a, this is somebody who's just found a direct path to supporting yes. people who need mm-hmm. help, Absolutely. which is incredible. Uh, yeah. really, and really he honorable. is always sending updates and, you know, I also have his phone number and address if somebody wants to connect oh. with Norris directly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We can share some of that info mm-hmm. uh, and some more what you're doing. Marina, any other thoughts on Ukraine and what's happening and just as we move forward into the future and uh, and, and what people can think about? Sure. I actually wanted to read um, uh, kind of a New Year's um, message that my very good friend sent me. She We've known each other since I was six and she was seven, and we talk almost every day. She is one of the full-time volunteers in Zachist in that group protection. Um, and so I'll just read it out loud, and um, it's translated, so it's not <laughs> very polished, but you'll get the gist. She just says, Happy New Year. May the year 2023 bring us victory as soon as possible. We deserve it. We deserve better lives. Um, we deserve to enjoy our lives. We deserve to have joy, to have dreams, to fall in love, to make friends, to have careers, to create, to travel, to celebrate, even to indulge and to reach our goals. Um, all of this has yet to come. We believe in this and we walk towards it despite all odds. Happy New Year. So one thing I had to learn in this war is to just, um, you know, have an unsubstantiated and maybe unreasonable belief that everything will work out and that this war will end and, um, you know, we will rebuild the country. And, um, yeah, the best is yet to come for Ukraine. Wow. That's an incredible message. Uh, Absolutely. I could not say it any better. (laughs) 
Thanks, Marina, thank you so mm-hmm. much for, for sharing your time with us today uh, and for talking about your background and about Ukraine and what's going on there. It's really, really meaningful. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, and thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being our guest, Marina Nading, professor at Luther College, uh, Ukrainian native, uh, has been in the U.S. for many years. Her husband, Scott, and family live here in Decora, and uh, really happy to be able to share your story. So thanks for taking time. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Rhymes with Decora, a companion podcast of Inspired Media. Benji Nichols, your host here. Find out more about us. Decora.fun is the web address. 30 plus shows that are available from folks in our region. If you're interested in more information about today's show or getting in touch with Marina, you can check the show notes or reach out to me as well. And uh, we will get you connected. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being here. It's Rhymes with Decora. If you've enjoyed the music on today's show, it is the work of Mr. Nick Zielinski. He is a drummer. He is a decoran. Find him online at Instagram, indicative of drumming. We appreciate it. Appreciate all his work. We appreciate you tuning in. It's Rhymes of Decora. Rhymes with Decora is a project of Inspired Media. Find us online at isleofinspired.com.